And the Gamecocks win over the Vanderbilt Commodores on Saturday night. They looked pretty decent on offense, but they continue to struggle in one particular area on defense, an area that could be exposed once again in the near future. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily, and we have got a lot to talk about on this Monday edition of Locked On Gamecocks. On today's show, I'm going to give a quick preview of the women's basketball team's season opener against the East Tennessee State Buccaneers and give y'all some bold predictions on how I think the season's going to play out. And I'm also going to give an initial preview of the Gamecocks upcoming football matchup where they will be taking on the Florida Gators in Gainesville. But before we touch on all of that, the Gamecocks, of course, did get a much-needed bounce-back victory this past Saturday night as they defeated the Vanderbilt Commodores 38 38- 227 in Nashville, Tennessee. So let's break down the game and how it all unfolded, starting off with the offense. Obviously, the offense was a big topic of conversation this past week for all the wrong reasons after the debacle they had against the Missouri Tigers, some of which people would say was due to the Tigers' defense, while certain other facets were due to maybe the lack of utilization of certain players like playmaker Jaheim Bell. However, in this game, I definitely don't think that that was an issue. Overall, I thought the offense did a pretty good job considering all of the circumstances. I mentioned late last week when previewing this game that there was a lot of external factors that could really affect this Gamecock offense, potentially not having Marshawn Lloyd. He did not end up playing in this football game. There being a potential for rain during the football game. And also, again, how were they going to bounce back and respond from all of the noise that was occurring outside of the football operations center? And it seems like the offense got the message in terms of, you know, maybe needing to bounce back. And Satterfield got the message about spreading the football around. As nine different Gamecock skill players touched the football on Saturday night. Jaheim Bell, I'm going to touch on again in just a few moments, got 19 touches overall. To carry on Joyner, who had seemingly been MIA in the offensive game plan for the last several weeks, he made a reappearance, a reemergence, I should say, this past Saturday night, getting some snaps as a Wildcat quarterback. And he got a passing touchdown that he threw to Antoine Wells, which was a fantastic play, by the way by to carry on, rolling out of the pocket, making a good throw on the run, and of course Antoine Wells having a great individual effort to take it the rest of the way for six. And then Josh Van, for the first time all season, as shocking as it is to say, 
He got more than two receptions in the football game. And one of those receptions was his first receiving touchdown on the year. And if you've seen some of the footage from the South Carolina football team's social media account on Twitter, then you know just how exuberant, how happy his teammates and his position coach, Justin Stepp, were for Josh Van to get that touchdown reception. Obviously, again, it has not probably been the season that Josh Van envisioned himself having leading into the 2022 season, but he very clearly was super hyped up getting that receiving touchdown again, which was a great play by Spencer Rattler. He threw it only where Josh Van could get it. Then Josh Van, of course, perfectly pinpointed the ball, kept his feet in bounds, and it ended up being the last touchdown score in the first half for the Gamecocks against this shaky Commodores defense. And speaking of Spencer Rattler, I thought this was one of Spencer Rattler's better games this season. Now, some of y'all might be sitting there and saying, well, Andrew, he was facing Vanderbilt's defense. So, yeah, of course, he should have played a really good game. And, yeah, yeah, Vanderbilt's defense wasn't very good. I completely admit that. They ranked nearly dead last, I think, in every single major defensive category, statistically speaking, in the SEC. But, look. When you don't have that guy behind you in Marshawn Lloyd, a player that, quite frankly, I thought the Gamecocks offense was going to miss a lot more than they did on Saturday night, then that certainly can change things for a guy like Spencer Rattler. Someone who obviously, again, kind of like Josh Van, but for different reasons, he probably hasn't had the season that he really thought or hoped that he would have. There's been some struggles. There's been some growing pains in this pro-style offense. And you add in a loss that the Gamecocks took right on the chin from the Missouri Tigers this past weekend. All that pressure can really add up. And the way Vanderbilt plays defense is, again, they're bend-but-don't-break defense. They try to keep everything in front of them and basically kind of force you to be more methodical. But that didn't stop Spencer Rattler on Saturday night. He had a really solid game in terms of making smart decisions, knowing when to take off outside of the pocket, taking off, for the most part, in the right area. Maybe if he was he had to step up in the pocket and took off running in between the guards, or maybe he was rolling out to one side of the field, and also knowing when to throw the football away. Spencer Rattler did not put the football up in harm's way, and he made a couple of real critical completions on some later downs on certain drives, helping to extend those drives, and some of those drives ended up leading to scores, like the one that I mentioned earlier to Josh Van late in the first half. And then the last point I'll talk about on offense, Jakeem's Bell. He deserves a load of credit for his efforts on Saturday night. Now, you look at the stat line. Jaheim Bell had 16 carries for 56 yards, which to a casual college football fan outside of South Carolina's fan base might not jump off the page to them. But again, you need to understand the context here. Jakeem Bell, quite honestly, has not taken any running back snaps, I believe, since the Georgia game. And when your star running back goes down, when you got a guy who has been unfortunately dinged up a lot this season, Christian Bill Smith, another running back whom, again, is an absolute bull in a china shop in terms of the effort that he gives, but is not literally a bull in a china shop in Juju McDowell, who you have to be unique in terms of how you sort of utilize him. It put Jaheim Bell in somewhat of a tough spot in terms of the game plan because, you know, they were basically asking him to be the Gamecocks running back on Saturday night. And yeah, it was only 16 carries, I guess, which, you know, isn't a humongous amount of touches in the backfield. But either way, they got Jaheim Bell the football. And they were probably going to do this either way 
to obviously, you know, more than make up for what they've done the last several games leading into the Vanderbilt contest. But Jaheim Bell did a really solid job. And the thing I was impressed with was he embraced being the running back on Saturday night. The way that he drove his legs, the amount of yards he got after contact, whether it was maybe an offensive lineman getting blown back off the line and contacting Jaheim, or if he had a defender that was wrapped up around his waist, Jaheim did not give up. And he got a lot of those quote-unquote bull yards after contact, and it led to him getting those 56 rushing yards. And they were hard-earned yards right there. So, Jaheim Bell deserves a ton of credit considering all the circumstances and the way he played on Saturday night. Uh, he was a complete and total team player and has been up to this point, again, with the travesty that has been his utilization or lack thereof this season. So credit to Jaheim Bell, credit to Spencer Rattler, credit to the entire offense for the most part for having a solid bounce back performance against the Commodores. Now, a couple of things they need to work on. Holding penalties were quite bad in this game, and there were split pretty much between the offensive line unit and some perimeter blockers on, you know, some swing passes or some edge runs or runs that bounce to the outside. Got to do a little bit of a better job of not grabbing the jersey too much or at least knowing when to let go if you are being a little bit too grabby. And another area where the Gamecocks need to progress or, you know, sort of try to find a rhythm once again is third down. For the second week in a row, the Gamecocks were a little bit down in this area. I believe they were 5-13 of 13 on third down against the Missouri Tigers. They, once again, didn't really have the greatest performance in this aspect. They were only 4-12 of 12 on third down against Vanderbilt. But since they only had 12 third downs, you can t- make a good guess that that was because the Gamecocks were extending enough drives, getting enough first downs, where they weren't having to go to the quote-unquote money down too often. So I guess, you know, it's a little bit of a trade-off there. But either way, against a defense like Vanderbilt, you probably want to make some more third-down conversions right there. But overall, good performance from the offense. They pretty much did what they should have done, in spite of the fact that they did not have star running back Marshawn Lloyd. Now, in a few moments, we're going to talk about why the defense has a lot, quite honestly, that they need to fix after their performance that they had against Vanderbilt. Before talking about the Florida Gators for the first time this week, South Carolina's upcoming opponent. But before we touch on that, I want to ask y'all a question real quick. Are you a small business owner or maybe even just a manager that feels like the hiring process is a high stakes wager because you want access to the best qualified candidates available. And with the way the professional world works now, it's not a guarantee that you're always going to have that. Well, if you find yourself in this position, there's an easy way to get around this conundrum. And that's by using LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When you use LinkedIn jobs, You can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate the right team member to help you finish out the year strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to again faster. Did you know that every week 
Nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn. We're getting pretty close to the holiday season. And obviously, a lot of small businesses especially need that extra help in order to get them through the onslaught that is the holiday shopping season. You find yourself in that position? Go post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. Once again, that's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to this Game Recap Edition of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so let's go ahead and conclude our recap of the South Carolina-Vanderbilt matchup by talking about South Carolina's defense. And uh, it was certainly a mixed bag of results on this side of the ball, because Overall, the defense did overwhelm Vanderbilt's offensive line in pass rush, especially when Vanderbilt actually tried to push the ball down the field in the passing game. But South Carolina has got to, and I mean they have got to do a better job in rush defense. We are starting to see a really ugly trend here that is matriculating for the second season in a row in terms of this department. Against Vanderbilt, South Carolina allowed 226 rushing yards and five and a half yards per carry. Now, obviously, Vanderbilt does not have maybe the worst personnel grouping to run the football in every single game. They've got Ray Davis at running back, who might not be quite as good as the running backs that they have had in years past, like Keyshawn Vaughn, but... Ray Davis is no slouch at that running back position. I said that he was a less explosive Marshawn Lloyd basically late last week, and I think he proved that on Saturday night. Mike Wright at quarterback. Obviously, he's probably one of the best athletes at that position in all of college football. Would maybe be the best in the SEC if it weren't for a quarterback in Anthony Richardson, who um, the Gamecocks are going to have to play in about five or six days. So, Why is it that Vanderbilt ran the football so well against South Carolina? Well, there's a couple different reasons. Firstly, there are two main defenders in the second and third level for South Carolina's defense that are taking way too much time, honestly, to see or be able to diagnose what all is happening in front of them. Now, I'm not going to try to sit here and make it out like, you know, playing the safety position means that you ought to be able to make the tackle on every single running play. Obviously, that would be a very naive and ignorant thought to have regarding that. Sometimes the other team just gets the better of you. And I will, of course, give Vandy their props in just a couple moments. But South Carolina starting off at the linebacker group, I quite honestly I'm not sure what exactly the issue is. Obviously, if I knew, I would just flat out tell all of you. But in my opinion, I think what the problem is, I think that South Carolina's linebackers at times, they're almost a little bit too reliant on what all's going on in front of them, which obviously you need to somewhat, you know, rely on the guys that you have on the defensive front and trust that, you know, wherever they're going is where the football is heading. But the linebackers, it seems like too often are pretty much putting themselves almost out of position. And if it's not they put themselves out of position, then it's they're being a little bit too hesitant because they're thinking so much about what all could happen based on the look they're being given that 
They end up sitting there for so long, and the running back ends up running on right past them, maybe going the other direction, maybe just, you know, to the weak side of the field. That stuff happens so much on Saturday night. Vandy did mix up a lot of their blocking schemes. They had some duo, which involved a lot of double-team or combo blocks on the interior, which really, you know impacted South Carolina's interior defensive line because it wore them out on certain drives. And on those combo blocks, they're always trying to get one guy working up to the second level to get a linebacker. They also did a pretty good job of throwing some zone in there to catch South Carolina's defensive front off guard. And lastly, South Carolina just did not tackle good enough at all. Now, some of the guys apparently, you know, might have been a little bit sick on Saturday night. I heard that apparently um, Cam Smith, for example, had a chest cold, so he was not 100% in the football game, but South Carolina as a whole, nobody really tackled that great on Saturday night. I mean, there was too many arm tackles. There were too many guys trying to just stand guys up and run them backwards. And when you're facing good enough athletes, you cannot expect to do that on every single play. And there were times where South Carolina really paid for that against Vanderbilt on Saturday night. Now the defense did get four turnovers, which of course is great. It is phenomenal whenever you can get that many turnovers forced. But here's what I will say when talking about that point. South Carolina cannot expect for this, again, to be sustainable because they got Florida coming up this weekend. And with Florida's offense, it all starts with the ground game. They have a 20th best rushing attack in college football this season. There's three different Gator offensive players that have 467 rushing yards or more. Those guys are Montrell Johnson Jr., Anthony Richardson, and Trevor Etienne, the younger brother of feared Clemson running back Travis Etienne when he was playing for the Tigers in the upstate. 24 of the Gators' 34 offensive touchdowns are rushing touchdowns. How important is this Gators rushing attack, you may ask? Well, so far this season, in each of Florida's Power 5 games where they've had more passing yards than they did rushing yards, they've lost each of those games. Those three games were the Georgia game, the Tennessee game, and the Kentucky game all the way back in Week 2 this season. So, Florida's offense, um, yeah, they're probably seeing the Vanderbilt film, and quite honestly, they're probably licking their chops to a great degree because they're probably sitting there thinking, we've got a pretty good opportunity here to put up some yards on this defensive unit, especially if South Carolina does not get some things corrected in a hurry. Now, while it all starts with the ground game for the Gators' offense, it ends with the ground game, not in a good way, on the defensive side of the ball for the Gators. The Gators have the 22nd worst rush defense in college football, giving up an average of 185.3 rushing yards per game. They're the fourth worst team in the SEC in terms of tackles for loss on defense, meaning that they're not really getting in the backfield as often. They're getting driven back off of the line of scrimmage, which is giving a lot of teams opportunities to, you know, get a decent amount of yards at the start of place before contact is first made. In each of Florida's four losses this season, with the exception of the Kentucky game, the Gators have given up at least 179 rushing yards. So in essence, if Florida isn't able to run the ball to great efficiency against their opponent, then more than likely they end up losing because it gets them out of their comfort zone and it forces them to have to rely on Anthony Richardson to pretty much win the game by passing the football. Anthony Richardson is uber talented in terms of the physical intangibles that he has, but there's a lot of times where he has a bazooka basically for an arm that 
He's not able to aim and control. His accuracy is very inconsistent. And then with the Gators' defense, you know, their defense has been like a hot knife going through butter in terms of the rushing attack. So if Marshawn Lloyd comes back and he is healthy and he's able to get something going against this Gator defense, maybe the Gamecocks can work that horizontal RPO game. Maybe get some reverse sweeps thrown in there that they have thrown out since pretty much the Kentucky game earlier this season. Then South Carolina can definitely win this football game. But obviously, it's going to be tough because it's going to be in Gainesville, and there's a lot more to this Gators team than just the rushing attack on offense and the lack of rush defense on the other side of the ball. And of course, I'm going to touch on all that as the week progresses. Now, in a few moments, I am going to talk about South Carolina's women's basketball team, the defending national champions, who will start their title defense later tonight against the East Tennessee State Buccaneers. But first... Want to let y'all know that BetOnline's initial spread and over-under numbers have come out for the South Carolina-Florida matchup. The Gamecocks are starting off as an 8-point underdog, according to BetOnline, and the over-under has been set at a whopping 59 points. So, it seems like from the looks of it that BetOnline does not believe a whole lot of defense is going to be played in this contest. Are they correct about this? Again, we're going to talk about all that as the week progresses, but... Maybe you're interested in betting on more than just the South Carolina-Florida matchup. And if that's the case, BetOnline is definitely the place for you because they're your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season, which for the college ranks is beginning this week. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and analysis on every game you can find. They're your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for every sport out there. They're the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head on over to Bet Online on your personal computer or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so we've talked a lot about the football team on today's show. We're going to cap off today's show by talking about Don Staley and the women's basketball team, who are beginning their title defense later tonight in the Colonial Life Arena against the East Tennessee State Buccaneers. It's going to be a special night for this team as they're going to unveil their national championship banner from this past final four. They, of course, won the second national title in program history and are looking to get a third this season. The game is going to be taking place at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the SEC Network. And if you really want me to tell you all um, just how bad East Tennessee State's women's basketball team was this past year, uh... Yeah, they went 6-22. and 22. So, in essence, yeah, I think that South Carolina, even in the sloppiest of games they could play, would wind up going out there. And I think that this game is going to be a blowout for the most part. So, uh, no need to worry about there being any opening night blunder from Don Staley and her squad. So, because I'm not going to really preview the basketball game, I do want to get into a couple of bold predictions that I do have for this upcoming season. And yes, 
I am going to get bold about a team that was the wire-to-wire number one team in the country and won the national title last year because I do think there are some things that could happen that maybe not everyone would completely agree upon. So the first bold prediction that I have for this team is that I think South Carolina will not lose a single game in the regular season. And the reason being is I don't think the SEC is going to provide as much of a challenge this year, and that's saying very little because of what happened last year. Um, And out of the top teams in the conference, between LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, all those squads, the Gamecocks are returning the most production, the most starters out of all of those teams. Now, in terms of the toughest games, games where maybe South Carolina could, you know, drop one, South Carolina does play a very tough road game at Stanford on November 20th, and they also play a road game at UConn on February the 5th. The external factor to watch for both these games is both games are going to be coming off of just two days rest for Don Staley's team. So maybe there could be a bit of a fatigue factor that plays a role, but either way, those are the two toughest non-con games. Now, Stanford lost the whole Twins and Anna Wilson, who were three starters for their Final Four team from this past year. And UConn has lost Paige Beckers, their star guard, to a torn ACL, which all happened back in August. And obviously, you never want to see a player like Paige Beckers suffer an injury like that. It's going to be a big blow for the Huskies and probably derail any chance that maybe they would have had of trying to make a run back to the title game this year. So, especially without Paige Beckers, I don't really see any way South Carolina drops that game to UConn. Now, in terms of the conference slate, South Carolina's toughest stretch in this case would be maybe February 12th through February 23rd, where they play four different games in this exact order. LSU at home, Florida at home, then on the road at Ole Miss, and then at Tennessee. So four games in 11 days, which is not too terrible. And I think they should probably, you know, win both the home games. Ole Miss, I think, is going to take a little bit of a step back this year because they also lost some big-time starters and some real important leaders from last year's squad. Tennessee might be the one game out of that four-game stretch just because of the level of competition that South Carolina maybe drops one against and considering the fact that it will be on the road. So if South Carolina doesn't drop any of those four games, I don't see any other game in the conference slate where South Carolina loses. So I think they will go undefeated in regular season play. My second bowl prediction Zai Cook, I think, is going to be an All-American this year. Zai Cook, of course, has been a first-team All-SEC selection and a second-team All-SEC selection. Last year, some people would say that maybe she took a slight step back in terms of her production. And yeah, she had some stretches during the year where she went through some real icy cold slumps in terms of her shooting the basketball. But here's my thought process. I think that Aaliyah Boston, as dominant as she is, and especially after what all she did last year, I think that coming into this season, the big game plan for pretty much every single team, and obviously they're not going to be able to fully execute this plan. I don't think any team can, but their game plan on defense is going to be do not let number four beat us. Make anyone else beat us. So I could see Aaliyah Boston getting a ton of double teams, and who knows? Maybe at times even some triple teams this season, which is why I think Zaya Cook could play a massive role on this year's squad. Destiny Henderson is gone from last year's team. She was a big, vital player for Don Staley playing that point guard position. And 
was probably the best sniper, so to speak, in terms of being able to shoot the ball behind the arc. Zaya Cook is that next person in line, basically, in terms of the starters that have returned. Because Bree Beal, she's not going to really make an impact much on offense. Her game is on the defensive side. Victoria Saxton, she's got a solid mid-range jumper, and she can hit some moves in the post to get to the basket. But again, not a three-point shooter. That's where Zaya Cook comes into play here. I would be willing to bet that Zaya Cook has worked really hard this offseason to really try and improve her game on offense, be a little bit more consistent in terms of hitting her three-point shots, getting better in terms of taking the ball up in transition, which was probably the one area she really struggled in because there was times where she would be in the fast break last season and she had a golden opportunity to, you know, make something happen or at least the odds were stacked in South Carolina's favor and it was either, you know, maybe not a great shot selection or it ended up being a turnover or a charge on her end. So, Zaya Cook, in my opinion, the point being, I think she's got a lot more potential. I think that she has not hit her ceiling yet. And I think that because of all the attention Leah Boston's going to get, that could help Zaya Cook really step up into even a bigger role for this team this year and end up becoming an All-American Banner senior campaign for Zaya Cook. And I'm a final prediction for Dawn Staley and this team this year. I think that South Carolina is going to run it back, and I think that they will win the national championship for the second year in a row. In my opinion, when looking at the entirety of the field in women's college basketball, there's only one thing that could stop South Carolina from winning the national title, and that would be injuries. Now, admittedly, South Carolina, you know, find some wood to knock on Gamecock fans. They were very fortunate last year in terms of the injury bug. They did not have too many people go down with injuries. Raven Johnson, of course, tore ACL early in the season, was lost for the year because of it. That was a freakish injury that she suffered. However, beyond her, there wasn't really any significant injuries that really derailed this team's chances of winning the national title. Again, you know, you cannot always bank on that. Thankfully for South Carolina and Don Staley, they have built up a ton of depth on this roster to where a lot of the backups would probably be pretty much stars about anywhere else that they could go in women's college basketball. So they have the depth, but obviously you got certain players that, you know, if they go down, you might not be able to completely replace what they bring to the court. Obviously, Aaliyah Boston, Zai Cook are two players. Bree Beal, I don't think there's really anyone else on the squad that can play defense like she does. That is a very vital role for a player to have on a championship winning team. So, I don't think that there's a particular team that can beat South Carolina or stand in their way, even Stanford this season. But, again, basketball is a very long season, and obviously the run to win the championship title is extremely unique compared to a lot of other sports. But I do think that the South Carolina Gamecocks are going to run it back and win their second straight national title. So, for those of you who are following the women's basketball team, what are your ball predictions, if you have any, for this year's squad? Are you going to be attending their game against East Tennessee State? What did you think of the Vanderbilt matchup from this past Saturday? Is there something I did not talk about on today's show regarding the offense or defense that you thought would have been important to bring up? And also, what are your initial thoughts on South Carolina's upcoming matchup against the Florida Gators in Gainesville? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comment section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube, you can also shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC. I'll try to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And once again, I want to thank y'all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen today. Now, for your next listen, I would ask that y'all go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big-time game recaps, 
and the take of the day all take place, spanning across all of the major sports. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcast daily. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope you all have a great rest of your Monday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.